The football pod with Paddy and Andy. You don't produce a Kieran Kilkenny or an Ushin Mullen. You don't produce them overnight. They take time, takes a lot of work, massive loss for his club, but he's made for professional sports. Download the OTB Sports app and subscribe to the GAA podcast feed now. Good afternoon, folks. You're very welcome along to episode 29 of the Football Pod with Paddy and Andy. The two lads are here. The two of them have been held together. Andy Moran is uh, <laughs> Andy Moran has hit the wall, and Paddy Andrews has just emerged from. Where have you come from, Paddy? Briefs house. And you're eating an apple. The two boys are very, very busy. They're well, flat out. It's they're not flat easy. Out. Yeah. Not easy at the top, Tommy. Not easy I know. I'm boring on his World Cup tour in London for the weekend. Jesus, <laughs> you look fresh for a man that's been over there for a couple of days, like, I must say. Yeah, I had to drive to Dublin today too, Paddy. It was a tough day now. 6.30 in the morn, morning, Andy Moran headed off to Dublin this morning. When did you land back from London? Ah, yesterday evening. It was fine. Okay. It was fine. And, uh, quite nice. Uh, the great, our guest from last week, Barry Solar, brought us out for a nice meal on, uh, Baza. Uh, on Saturday night. And, that was quiet. Uh, yeah, it was quiet. Oh, gee, after Thursday or Friday, it needed to be, but it was a nice meal on, on Saturday night. So I, I wouldn't say I was recovered, but I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm not bad. Do you enjoy the football? Yeah, it was good. It was, uh, yeah, it was good. Athletically, lads. Do you know the way we were talking about athletes and it's kind of in your head then away from it? Like the athletic form of some of them boys is just Joel Lenton, animal of a man. You know, there's just a few of them that are just, like you nearly think they were athletes before they were footballers. Do you know that sort of way? So um, uh, it was just, it was cool to see that kind of it. I, I've been there a good few times, but um Newcastle are poor. Newcastle are mm. poor team. So it was, it could it was be going they're down. They're going to need a serious few quid, which they obviously have in January to try and sort that out. But it's funny you say that. Andy. Anytime I go watching soccer, it's the speed that I, I always think stands mm. out. Yep. Guys over, they are electric. Over five yards. How they get up to top speed so quick. And you're just thinking, imagine you had that yourself. Saint Maximum, Saint Ma- How do you pronounce his name? Alan Saint Maximum. I'm a big fan of his. Like he was always, yeah, yeah. He, 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 over, like there was one stage. Just he was left inside the box. He didn't do much in the game. And he just boom. In the, he was just. Yeah. It was like it was like a, just he just moved and he, he stole about three yards and just got across. But you're right. The pace, the uh, wouldn't have a hope. You, you yeah. wouldn't have a hope. It's it's, it's unbelievable. What's the new left back for Arsenal? What's the name? Just forget his name. Oh, Nuno Tavares. I've never seen anything like him, lads. Why is he good? I, no, never mind. He was going real when I was over as well. Yeah. I, I've never yeah, seen Paul anything. Kieran Tierney has his hands full now. I, I've never seen anything like him to run. I have, oh. I, I'm telling you that now. I've never seen anything like him on a like football Like Vaughan in the mid, mid-90s. <laughs> I, I, I like Tony Vaughan, believe me, but I'm not sure I can even <laughs> give him that. This fellow was just... I've never seen anything like him. He was like, he had about six shots. No, none of them hit the target. But he about six shots. God, God loves a tryer. He but sounds the, like he sounds like that's a that sounds like a differential to slip into somebody's fancy football team if anyone's listening in. Andy Moran has been scouting at the Emirates this weekend. I, I'm not sure about his assists and his, his score <laughs> now, but he's uh, running a bit. All the stick you give me and Moran there. There's me studying and meeting priests over the weekend doing the whole nine yards. And Moran's on a session for three nights in London. He, oh, he had the absolute opposite. The roles reversed this weekend. Paddy, you're you're flat out with the Masters. And is it eight days Thanks. to the wedding? Yourself and Dory? Is it the, is it the seventh? No, I have an exam on the seventh. Oh. <laughs> Saturday week. Okay. <laughs> to be honest, it's probably, it's great because I haven't had time to think about it. <laughs> yeah. Work and the Masters is keeping me going. So, uh, 
I've got all that sorted in the next week, and then the wedding is Saturday week. Fantastic. Okay. So, uh, what could possibly go wrong? Between <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> I'm, waiting for, I'm waiting for a government announcement now in the next couple of days, cut numbers to 50, oh, just to put the icing on it. But, but as of now, we're kind of we're taking along. So, loads going on, obviously. But uh, I didn't realize you were referring to that. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. The highlight of the Arsenal game, lads, was the Arsenal fans started singing that the Newcastle fans, they started saying, you're rich and you're shit, like, mm. right? So the Newcastle fans responded with, we're rich and we're shit. <laughs> <laughs> they're just delighted, aren't they? They don't care. They just want anything after Mike Ashley, they're happy out with. Yeah, the sang for 95 minutes was amazing. They had a good day as well, now. I apologise for any... <laughs> Intermittent barking. Bailey's having a bad night. He's uh he's been causing chaos. I was on news. I was on news talk with Joe earlier, and I'll be able to edit this, but I can't edit what happened with Joe earlier on. Bailey, I feeding the poor fella. I I swear to God, I've been feeding him. I I made a mistake. Out there or something, keep him happy. I left him a treat map where he's supposed to figure it all out, and uh, I mistimed it, so he figured it out too quickly. Anyways, lads, the club at the weekend. Can we talk a little bit about that? I have a question for you. Go for it. Who was the greatest cluster of brothers you ever come up against? And a cluster means more than two in the club scene. Because at the weekend, we obviously saw Lock- Lockmore Castellani in the former grass. And I was watching Bally Gunner and the, the Mahonies at the weekend. Unbelievable stuff. Four, four Mahonies. I don't know how many McGraths there are, but... The McGrath story is phenomenal. Gee, it's, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Toughest cluster of brothers in Dublin. Dublin. See, we only get out of Dublin once. In 2011, and you obviously had the Brogans, so you would have had a couple of spells where you had Paul Allen and Bernard up against you. three lads. Yeah, we actually bet them in the Champions Final in 2011 that year. So, and they're Did you, yeah, and they haven't won a final, have they? they no, they, they that team, that Plunkett's team lost, I think, three finals and they were in semi finals and stuff. And the big thing with us was they're literally our next door neighbors as well. Even before Castle Lock came on the scene, Bridget's and Plunkett's would have had a, had a big rivalry. A lot of the guys would have been in school together and seen oh, yeah. Beckett's down on, on the Neffin Road. Uh, but there was Alan Bernard and Paul would have been, would have been Plunkett's. Crokes obviously had the O'Carroll, Rory and Ross. And why would have, actually, I think I marked both of them in the same match a couple of times. Crokes were big rivals of ours at that time as well. Well, not many more in Dublin that spring to mind. Okay, you know, I always think it's probably more of a, a country thing, but they're they're definitely the Rogans are probably the most high profile. And then the O'Carroll's definitely were Crokes were <laughs> were heavy going market. It's those two lads as well now at their peak as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, like Muller Yachta obviously came. Mackey was talking about it. The the well, McGeevers, wasn't it? Yeah. And the Mulligans, yeah. and like they're only half a parish and small parish. Like Lockmore Castellani is. There's a thousand people living there. It's so small. And one of the big things is like. In Kilmacud's uh, double, the the, the hurling and the football this year, there's only one player who started both. <laughs> there's 10. Super started, club, yeah. They're like Newcastle. Oh, stop. There's 10 who started both in the, for Lockmore yeah. Castellani and 14 overall who played in both finals. I think there's another who was injured and missed. So 15, 16 that are involved in both. Like, so it's unbelievable. Yeah. Andy, what about like, yeah, Paddy's after saying there, it's a culture thing. Are you going to prove it right? Ah, I did. Like, see, you're putting words with me. I know, I did. I did. media stuff off the ball. I can definitely prove, I can definitely prove right. You are off the ball. Yeah, I've definitely proven right. I heard a story today that someone, it was Nathan actually, the club, is he Jude's, is he? Oh, he's he was, yeah. now, yeah. yeah. I said, yeah. how many under eight boys would you have? And he said, 65. 
I, I like I coach our under sevens and we've 22 and 11 of them are girls or 11 of them are boys, you know? So I yeah. think we, we just need to keep reproducing in families. We just need bigger families. <laughs> so they, 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 That's uh, your job, Anthony. I can't help you there. I'm trying like hell. But the, the, um, <laughs> the, the, in, in me all, like the Mortimers, obviously, uh, Trevor, yes. uh, Connor, yeah, Trevor, yeah, yeah. and, and Kenneth, Kenneth, who won two All-Stars in the 90s. Yeah. Uh, the, the O'Connors, obviously, with, uh, they had four. They had uh, Porrick, Rory, Jeremy uh, and Killian all on the team, all starting, um, and they won a few county titles together. Um, in Ballina in 2005, you had the Bradys, Jerleem and uh, oh, David. There was a third. Yeah. I didn't even know Jer and David. I didn't yeah. know there was four O'Connors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Liam was, Rory works for Sky actually, uh, yes. works for Sky, so a really good left half back. He played for me for a bit and Pori played underage for me as well. Um, yeah, so you have the Bradys. Uh, Liam was the free taker. He was, he was probably nearly the main fella. Um, yeah, so it was uh, Kilmurray of Brick and played them in the semi-final that year. A good ah. friend of mine, uh, ladies, uh, uh, ladies football manager, Evan Talty. Go on, give him a good shout out there. He, he, got, he got sent off. Just the guy doing his flogging the stuff on Twitter. Yeah, uh, got, it looks quality. Uh, the board, isn't it? Yeah, no, wait, no, wait, no, I've got a plug. Oh, I've, I've got a plug. It wouldn't be a football pod without it. Let's see it, Andy. What is it? Go on, give I me a plug. How do you let this man away? Huh? With this? I got a plug. Do you know why, Paddy? Because do you know why? Because we're open for sponsorship for season two of the yeah, football yeah. pod. I'm but making anyway, a pitch right now. I was about to slag Talji, not give him a plug, but uh, Talji got sent <laughs> off for Elmo and Liam Brady in semi finals. <laughs> 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 not, not taking now. So he, uh, yeah, it was them. But I think the most famous probably are, are the boys up in Cross, aren't they? The Kernans. Yeah. Uh, four of them. Yeah, four of them. And they, 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 won, they won multiple. Who are they? Stephen, Tony, Patrick, Aaron. Aaron, wasn't it? Yeah. Is it Patrick, the fullback? Good player. Um, We're definitely missing it. I should have been more prepared. We're definitely missing a load of brothers. There's going to be a heap of people getting in touch and saying. I'm sure you have a few around Ballandary and a few like that, but I think the the, the Kernans in. uh, The Kernans in. uh, They're the the most impressive. Medal all all right. How many guys play for Slock Neil? How many of the the, uh, McCaigs play for Slock Neil? Is it only the two or three? Slock Neil would have had the. Was Slockley in the hurling as well? Did that run? Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were the same, yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a few, a few outstanding. Isn't it funny that they look at Slack Neil having that run and Croaks? I was surprised that Croaks only had one player on both squads. Like. Yeah, they've done the double. I, I can't remember many teams doing the double in Dublin. No. Certainly recently in my time. No. Um, so a phenomenal achievement for them, and they did yeah. go close in both the provincial it's, campaigns as well. So it's it's unbelievable. It's like the, Lock Lockmore Castellani did it for the first time in 2013. That was the first Tipperary club to ever do it. Um, Cracklow did it in Clare in 2014 yeah um, our buddy Mr Collins was telling us about it yeah. so it's, uh, it's unbelievable it's unbelievable we, we had eight set of brothers I think when we won a, won a count cycling 12 I think but they were all twos there was no three or four eight sets of brothers I think so yeah can you reel them after no I couldn't. That's a Mike Soul. He's still a bit shook. That would be Mike Soul and Gary Rory Conmed, the Drakes. Yeah, there was a good few of them like that. So there was, uh, I think there was a, an uncle and nephew, Barry Regan, Aaron Lynch. And then there was very, two. very yeah. important. Yeah, I, I was at Bally Gunner, Bally A in, in the Hurling. I'm not a Hurling man, but I was at it. And uh, the four Mahonies were unbelievable. Philip back from a leg break, I think 10 weeks ago. Uh, Porrick, I think, did his cruciate last year and he's, he's, he's just back recently. And then they got the two younger brothers as well who are lightning. And then it turns out that most of the coaching staff are their uncles. So, like, the, it's unbelievable, like, it's the connection yeah. in that club. Yeah. yeah. So, 
Let's let's do one last thing on the on the club football lads. Uh, Rory Grugan, the RMA footballer, put this out there in the last couple of weeks. He's been talking about it for quite a bit, actually. Um, he tweeted that he's going to put it to the RMA convention. He's bringing it to his as part of his club. Speaking of the power of Twitter, our club is bringing a motion to the RMA convention to move club league games to either a Friday or Saturday night for the 2022 season and beyond. Quick question: Is that a good idea or a bad idea in your experience? For me, it'd be a no-brainer. No more Sunday morning games. In what, in what way? Just that your games are there and they're being played at the weekends. Uh, right, remember, the now weekend that remember now you're living in Clare, you're not living in Mead. No, and if I, if I, I've never okay. actually lived at home and played football. I've al- okay. al- always travelled back. Okay, so it's Friday evening. You're coming out of Dublin, you're coming to Mayo and there's a crash in the M50. And you need to, it's a championship game and you need to be there for 7 o'clock game starting at 8 o'clock. Oh, uh, uh, oh, he's uh, talking about club league games. He's it's club league games now that's the only okay. thing and like look I, I think for, I mean, we've touched on this and we'd um, we spoke to some high profile people who feel it. as a player you want to be able to enjoy the weekend and have the, have the balance around that and I totally you look you're preaching to the choir here I agree with that but there are issues around logistics around that particularly Friday evening games look if it's just league games on a trial basis that's fine but and he's going to hit the nail in the head. We were probably bringing this maybe in, in inter-county scenes where there are massive games and it's probably not feasible to do that where there's travel involved. And say logistically, if something happens, it's harder to, to get across. But look, I, I think it's it's good to have those discussions and if there's buy-in from the county board and players, trial it on a league basis and if it works and all the stakeholders are happy with it, then absolutely you can start wheeling out into championship games. And this is the type of stuff we were talking about with Congress. It takes someone to kind of take the plunge and first and trial it and see it. And if it's Armagh and it goes off without a hitch, then you imagine every county board is going to start looking at it as well. And that's for change to happen, there needs to be a trailblazer. It needs to be trialed. And if, if that works in Armagh, it'll be great. Uh, and the players are happy with it. Tommy, I, I would just say for club league games, I'd actually be all in favour for it. Yeah, it is club league games. That's yeah. what it is. I don't know if I said championship, but it is club yeah. league games. No, for club championship, I wouldn't be. And just the, like, no, it's not that I wouldn't be. I think every county board needs to do that on an individual uh, basis. Yeah, and I understand uh, that completely, especially yeah. in a county like Mayo. But like, um, just just to say, like, Tyrone have, have done it this year for 2021, mm. for the most part, for their summer games. We obviously had okay. Conor McKenna on the pod a couple of weeks ago saying, <laughs> God, Bailey. Conor McKenna didn't want to play any league games. He didn't want to play any league games for the last eight weeks. But down, Benny Coulter got in touch with Rory Grugan and he said that, unbelievable, the clubs are still playing on a Sunday. Friday nights and down this 20 years. So good. Weekends free generally and a great atmosphere for Friday night league matches. So that's Benny Coulter getting in touch but, but, with but I, But I agree with that. The only issue I have is that if it works well for the league, right? So this year for our championship, the game you can now tell me, we played on Friday evening. That was great. And, and it was unreal, right? But we had... At least, right, so I hire a few of the boys anyway. Uh, so I give them the whole day off. They don't get paid for that day. We teachers on, that have three course days a year that literally had to take a course day on the Friday to make sure that they don't get caught in traffic. Like you can imagine working until three, half three, coming down the road, stuck in traffic. You're there till six o'clock and you're trying to play your, your championship. Like that was the game that mattered for us this yeah, year. And yeah, you're trying to yeah, play yeah. that then on a Friday evening. Like, like... I know it sounds silly, like because you're never going to get reimbursement for playing club, like. But unless you're willing to look after people for work in a county like Mayo, Galway, even the likes of the, the Leitrim where I am now, 
I find it hard to know how you can actually do it. I, I for championship games, for championship uh, games, for league game, if you missed another league game, <laughs> I'd say a few boys would be happy enough. Look at traffic again, Gaffrey. <laughs> you wouldn't believe it. <laughs> but the week, the week before that, Tommy, I swear to God, the week before that game was fixed, we were playing ball in the second round of the group stage. And so we were training on the Friday night, just meeting up, doing a bit of tactics, walking through, walkthroughs and stuff like that. And it was supposed to start at half seven. And we didn't get started until quarter past nine because it was an accident on them 50. And boys were just caught. So what do you do? Yeah, man, 50 is a shambles, no matter where you're going. Yeah. So like, it was just like, what do you do in that situation, you know? Yeah, no, no, I, I completely get where you come from, 100%. But I think for league games, absolutely. And I think, yeah, I think I a lot of people yeah. would be behind it, um, 100%. I agree, yeah. Andy, can we talk Colin Boyle? Because this broke after last week's pod broke. Colin Boyle has retired from Intercounty from Mayo. Can you talk to us about Colin Boyle? Still waiting for the big statement out of Boiler. Uh, <laughs> no, it won't come either, I wouldn't say. So, ah, no, just a, a great individual, great person, uh, good teammate, great teammate. Um, got dro- the story about Boiler, it, it, it's funny, and it's, it's one of the bits uh, that we, we, we talked about before. But Boiler was a really good miner, uh, good uh, came into the senior squad, played in 2008 against Galway, got taken off at half time, and then that winter got dropped from the whole squad, just got dropped off the squad, went away, kind of fought his way back into the yeah. squad, put on seven, eight kilos of muscle, got his way back into the squad on a good club run with his club in 2011, and then all of a sudden won four all stars. Why was he dropped at that time? What was it what, physically when you need to go away and? Um, Bulk up, or did he just kind of, or was there a specific reason given, or no? I remember he, he got taken off against Galway. Um, he, yeah. he got taken off against Galway. He, he, like what he was, uh, Paddy, when he was a young fellow in college with us, he was a really tenacious halfback, win, going in, winning breaks. And when, but the game, moved, all the time, not yeah. just in college. <laughs> but but the game moved a tiny bit in that in that period. It just moved a tiny bit more physically with the corks and that. He was yeah, yeah. small and light. He, I think he had a bad game. He got sent off actually in 2007, the 21s, got taken off in the, in the, uh, in 2008 in that championship and then got dropped that winter. And it looked like for all, all with all, his career was over. Uh, but himself, Mickey C, Mickey Conroy went away, trained themselves into an oblivion. Like he came back, he was a different unit altogether. Uh, got to the All Ireland Club final with his club intermediate and then Horn brought him back in. And then he was just a revelation. The rest was history then. Yeah. The rest is history. Then after that, he became kind of the the unique player of that of that generation with Lee and uh, I suppose Johnny Vaughan from that. I think I marked him in a couple of finals. You Thirteen, I think I was marking him. Yeah, I was out for around the half. Yeah, you hour. were a big. You were actually a big problem because you wouldn't know where you'd end up. To be honest. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know where I was going myself. Half yeah, time. you, you, you could end up. You could end up. I, in know, a I, think, I, I think literally the morning of, the, of that final or the day before, maybe thirteen, my first one. Uh, I was just going, Jim was like, oh, we'll play out centre forward for this game. And I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, and I ended up out there and I was on, I think it was on a column in that final. I must look back on it, yeah. But definitely, like like for us, he was just a pain. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a lot of the back said to be. You're just in your face, brilliant tackler. I loved watching him play. Yeah. Like the, block, like the blocks, the blocks, like the blocks, the flying blocks. Do you, do was, you, a great, was that on Twitter last week? Some yeah, like Sligo. Sligo, yeah. Like, though, it was like superstar stuff. Yeah, unbelievable. But a brilliant run. And that's, I didn't realise, it, it's funny, isn't it, how many players have gone through that? You're saying, early in the career, bit of a setback, and they come back, and you can see the resilience and see the, the attitude he had. It must be more common than we think. 
Yeah, he, he's... Um, Arnold Sunshine arose to get going, first and foremost. And for him to come back and win, what, four All-Stars? Even? Yeah. Four All-Stars. And like, like so he came back into his career. What, what, what year would that have been? He'd have been under 21 in 2007, so he was probably back in at 25. So he did a very unique run through. He, uh, he, he did his knee against Dublin in that league game just before lockdown in 20, 2020. And uh, that was probably kind of the, that was probably the end of him. Um, I think he had something to offer in the final, lads. Even like you were in the, you were in the crowd that day, Tommy, and it was just, we needed something to lift us. Boiler mm. would have taken the roof off the stadium. You were with me down in Leitrim. Yeah, and it happened, the, yeah. The game against Leitrim. We were up by 20 points in the game. I say we. Mayo were up against Leitrim by 20 points. I need to be hey. careful now. So hey. we're up, uh, Mayo were up by 20 points and Boiler comes on off the, uh, off the uh, crowd. The game is over and yeah. the crowd go mad. Like, so we needed a bit of energy in the final. I think James made a mistake not bringing them on in the final, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Just to, um, I, I, and on him as a person, like very unique character, quiet, doesn't want any fuss, doesn't want to, doesn't want Anthony to do Anthony, you know, and he's just a, just a really kind of unassuming guy and just gets on with it, you know. He's, he's not, he's not very typical Mio, we'll put it that way. Yeah, there was an unbelievable <laughs> stat. <laughs> there was an unbelievable, I missed that one, sorry. There was an unbelievable stat uh, last week as well that, um, I think there's only six footballers to have won All-Stars in a year that their county didn't win All-Irelands. Um, sorry, what? six footballers to win four or more uh, All-Stars in a year that their county Without didn't win All-Irelands. Ever. Yeah, so Canavan, I think, has four. Uh, Cooper has four. John O'Leary could have a bit more. Cooper could have five in a year that he didn't win it. And then Higgins... Lee Keegan, Keith Higgins. <laughs> boy, Keegan kind of why do you have to mention so many Mule fellas? Stop. Huh? Every Mule player. Yeah. Yeah. I butchered it, but it's still a good stat. Um, lads, we've That's got a special... Like a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I butchered it. Sorry about Google that. that. Yeah, we've, uh, we've a, a, a great guest coming up this week and there's another man who's retired. He's somebody who we've spoken about numerous times in the podcast this year. It's Paddy Cunningham. He has got a wand of a left boot. And it's only going to be able to be seen in Love Yarrog from now on his club. Antrim, he stepped away from Antrim. Um, he's retired now properly. He stepped away before. So we're going to get chatting to, to Paddy in a couple of minutes. Uh, Owen Cadigan stepped back as well this year. Uh, Amanda would have been involved back in 2010. So there, there's retirements left, right and centre at the minute. It's that time of the year. Um, Christmas around the corner, Tommy. That's what happens. Let's is- get excited. This is the back in January. This is the mannerly time. This is the mannerly time to retire. Not like you know the week before the All Ireland final or the the second week in January. All that has happened is people have come in here, right? (laughs) What listen to the pod for the last what twenty nine episodes. And seeing the lifestyle that Paddy Andrews has had since he left. He's <laughs> like, not much crack the last few weeks, lads. He, he's, wearing, he, he's wearing a Roddy Collins jacket. He's got his teeth done like Ross from Friends. He is looking <laughs> ma- he, 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 he's, he's looking magnificent and he's ready to go. <laughs> it was, he looks like he's in the 20s again. What a man. <laughs> Just for the pod, lads. Just for the pod. <laughs> right. I think it's time to get... Uh, it's time to get... Paddy Cunningham on the line, okay? Uh, actually, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to clarify that stat. Colin Cooper has six All-Stars in a year he didn't win in All-Ireland. And John O'Leary... Give us one guilt, really. Keegan, and Canavan has four, have four each. So stay tuned. Uh, Paddy Cunningham is jo- going to join us next to chat about his time as an Antrim footballer. You're very welcome back to episode 29 of the Football Pod with Paddy and Andy. This is the second time I've done this intro. I'm not going to tell you why I got it wrong the first time around. Paddy, four here. Paddy Cunningham, you're very welcome to the podcast. Congratulations on uh, 
your Antrim career, which you've decided to end over the weekend. It was a tough decision for you to, to hang up the boots properly this time? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I suppose just chatting down the party there briefly, I think reality sort of slowly but surely starting to sink in that you're not going to be involved this year. Obviously, the lads are going back um, training soon enough, um, doing bits and pieces, I think, at the moment. So, um, But listen, I feel the time is right. You know, um, 36 now, 37 um, in May of next year. So, um, listen, the body was, was telling me it was uh, nearly time to go. And obviously, I have a young family now as well. And probably at this stage, I think we've been selfish for long enough and other things are, are more important now. And... Um, Lucky enough to have a great wife at home who's been very supportive over my whole career. And um, listen, um, I think it's just time to, to pack it up at this stage. You know, it's not getting any easier. I listened to the lads last week and relating to their stories and listening to Jack McCaffrey and Lee Keegan run the, the orange of the pits. And <laughs> it was getting like that for me this season. So uh, that was another reason as well, to be honest. It, uh, it, the news broke over the weekend, Paddy. So... Um, I think Andy was speaking about it before that it probably took maybe six months for it to properly settle in. It was around the time of March, April when lockdown kicked in, Andy, that you started to process retirement. I doubt, Paddy, that you've you've really started to process it yet, have you? Or given the fact that you've stepped away before, was that any easier? Whenever I stepped away, obviously, um, a load of years ago, I didn't really think I was retired. Far from it, I just felt it was a bit of a break. I needed to recharge the batteries. Now, I didn't expect it to be six years, which it ended up being. But um, no, there's definitely a different feeling to it now, and probably a bit of a numbness. You know, obviously, people the phones been busy, and people have been very, very nice and getting lots of messages and whatever else. But um, I think the harsh reality of, of what, what what's lying ahead this winter in terms of not being out training uh, slowly but surely sinking in. But I'd say Andy's right in relation to sort of the six months. I think the first game in the league will, will never really hit someone sort of the end of January. Well, we were just saying earlier on, Paddy Andrews is the blueprint for how you treat your first year out of retirement. <laughs> uh, so I think Paddy would be happy enough to share share uh, on the uh, the plans that he had this year. So I couldn't wait to retire, Paddy. I was delighted to get out. <laughs> <laughs> it, says, it says the man with seven all all Ireland. You know, he, 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 you're you're weighed down. No, it's it, it, it's funny. It's like you do realize. I think that's such a common thing, isn't it, Paddy? You're, as you've said, anyone I've spoken about it myself, and we've touched on it on different podcasts. It's kind of there's usually a couple of things. It's either you're right, the body is kind of starting to creak. Maybe is is a sign, or like you say, life outside of football can kind of not get in the way, but that becomes more priority with, with its young family and things like that, or people with work. Or, or, or in some instances, people just fall out of love with the game. And that's clearly, you you and Andy most certainly are not not in that bracket. You know, if you could go back and start it all again, you, you go through it again. But there tend to be the common teams that people do step away for, from GAA at different times throughout their careers. But... It's been a phenomenal run, run for you. And, and I was intrigued, Paddy, just the success of Antrim this year and Enda McGinley coming in. The, kind of, the momentum, we touched on it throughout the pod. There was a couple of teams that really came back from lockdown. Antrim were one. Offaly under Mahan were another one. Obviously, Mickey Hart went into Loud and, and did, big, did a big job with them as well. And Rory Gallagher with Derry. They were real standout teams that they came back and the players had energy and the style of play coaches it just seemed fresh 
And for, for Enda to go in there as a relatively inexperienced coach, obviously high profile and part of an amazing Tyrone team. What was the impact? What, what changed, I suppose? What was so successful for Antrim this year? And, and what for you as well, like some sports you were kicking, Paddy. I'd say every week you were coming up with a bit of magic and we're just looking, what, like there must have been some buzz or, or what had changed from, for Antrim this year and, and what you hope is going to go on for the team, I suppose, in the next couple of years. Yeah, I suppose when you only had five minutes, be any any time I got the ball, I was shooting. <laughs> you were always like that, though, Paddy. No, that's true. Actually, Andy will testify to that too. Um, but no, listen, I think not only with Andy's contribution this year, but you know, you have to look at his background team. He brought in Sean Kelly, who obviously was a fundamental player for some goals on Andrum. Mm. Maybe won 10, 11 club championships and all our missing goals. So, command huge respect within Andrum, um football and, and GAA. And, you know, I was our defensive coach and obviously it's Stephen O'Neill as well who, who needs no introduction. Yeah. Um, so, having having his brains and total total change, you know, probably traditionally over the last sort of five, six years within Andrum, it's been trying to basically dummy's limitation in terms of the scoreboard, whereas Stevie O'Neill, really forward thinking, was an absolute joy to, to, to train under. Um, just so, so simple, but, um, it was just incredible. Like the, the drills you were doing in training in terms of forward play was just, it was just a total breath of fresh air. You know, obviously you were used to 14 men behind the ball, maybe breaking out. Um, three or four had to stay at the back, all that nonsense where Stevie said, listen, we have to score. So let's go. You know, so Stevie O'Neill was incredible. And that's probably my biggest regret about retiring this year. The fact that only got to play under him and Anda and gone for one season. Cause I do think the, the fruits are there at the moment to maybe push on division three. You know, it's, it's not a frightening division. Um, obviously Calvin and Tipperary have sunk down to four where you have, you know, it's a competitive enough division and I feel of hopefully Mick McCann, not to put him under any pressure, hangs in for an all year. Me and him are the same age, but hopefully if he can hang in and, you know, I think it would be a big loss in terms of experience and a bit of talking and leadership in the dressing room if both of us went at the same time. So I got out first, so he has to stay for an all year. Yeah. We, <laughs> we, was there any temptation, Paddy, to go again? Was there any, was there Anthony in you saying, Baird, the kind of love for the game, was there any temptation to say, right, come on, Steve O'Neill, end it here, we'll go again? Yeah, possibly only, but I suppose um, when you look at it, probably the whole year last year, I played maybe the guts of 30 minutes, you know. Um, and listen, we all know and we're very much aware of the hard yards that have to go in away from training the space the older you get, the more sort of body management and recovery you have to do. And probably the biggest factor, say it's not, it was family, you know, of a young lad there, he, Padraig, he's eight, he's sport bad, as you can imagine, he's, he's in the everything and to be fair, it's, it's tough to ask for a wife to, to run the guards or all their stuff and Paddy do all the, his sport. And to be honest, that was hurting me the most probably last year was missing all his games and missing all his trainings. And I think, to be honest, that was probably the pivotal factor in terms of, of everything. Um, you know, we're all very selfish when we're in that bubble. And um, I, I just feel now, to be honest, it was, I've had me full of it and it's time to really give yeah, back yeah. to the family. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's so understandable. But you can tell how excited you got playing football under, under someone like Stevie O'Neill as a, as a forwards coach. That must, did that reinvigorate you again? Cause like, was it, was it last year that you had that smashing campaign with Love Yarrig? And, uh, we gave Drum Quinn a couple of shout outs in the pod ac- across the year, but you were 
kicking points for Lobby. He had an unbelievable club run as well. Was that during COVID as well? Yeah, but sort of the last few years we've been heavily involved in the Anthem Championship with a couple of ding-dong games, maybe went three replays and stuff like that. And then a game which was heavily stopped from free. So I went there replay. But um, look, no, listen, Stevie and, and all the lads this year, they probably brought in just an added level as well in terms of professionalism. And, um, you know, it's, it's, I'd love to have been 21 again. You know, I learned so much off Stevie in the space of six months. Um, you can see why he was the player he was, and you know. And again, it was nothing magical. It was nothing outside the box, just but just be small things, and probably go on. Give us, give us something. Tro- give us something there. No, it's just movement patterns. You know, being at the right place, right time. You you probably thought that not that you're always learning, even no matter what age you are, you continue to learn and develop as a player. But just be small things that you know. And to be fair not to blow Andy's trumpet, it was the same even with him at, at Jordanstown. You always picked up one or two things off the players around you. Um, and, and definitely this year with Stevie, you know, I would love to be 20, 21 in Adam, uh, in Adam County football at the moment now in the forward line. And he'd be letting you shoot from the corner flags too, which suited you down to the ground. I always liked yeah, everyone well, like that. Everyone on this podcast <laughs> like that. Like, well, that was the thing. That's what I, anytime you missed and Stevie, I mean, Stevie, you should look at your point against Caldera. I was in the scoring zone, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that always got me out of jail. To be fair, he never missed, though, obviously. That's That's double, double. I'll tell you a story about Steve O'Neill, my, my glorious cornerback days. We played them in the opening game in Crow Park under lights. I think it was 09. And I, somehow I was cornerback and I was marking Stephen O'Neill. Like, this is catastrophic. <laughs> this is January time. I'm only 20, maybe 21. Gilroy has me cornerback for some reason. And um, Toronto won the Ireland the year before. So I come out and get a diving block. Colin Boyle-esque we were talking about on Sean Kavanagh. And I block, and I can't believe it. I'm very delighted with myself. The ball rebounds out to Stephen O'Neill, who's actually my man. And he's on the end line in the canal end. And I mean, the, his foot is on the end line. On the wrong side, he's over the corner between the canal end and the Cusick stand. So I kind of get up, delighted with me blocking around. This fella's not going to do anything here. And he shoots and he scores. Like, I, I don't know how he did this, honestly, because left foot at that angle literally was foot on the end line, goes over the bar. And there was like a gasp in Crow Park. And we were jogging back out. He didn't say anything. I was looking at him going, how fuck did that just happen? And Al Mulligan just turns around and laughs at me. He goes, he's something else, isn't he? <laughs> I'm there 20 years of age. God, this is not what he signed up for. Uh, Cornerback. There's, there's, a a there's, the there's a book in your cornerback days, never mind your, your seven All-Irelands. There's uh, just one on Paddy. We, we played Jordanstown in, um, we played for Sligo back years ago. It was the day Pete Donnelly done me, done me shoulder, uh, Paddy. You come on. Uh, I don't I think it's, you, know, you didn't start. You, Jordanstown won a penalty, so... I had to go to the hospital after about 12 minutes. Pete decided to take me, half me in two with a shoulder. So up to the hospital and I'm waiting for my woman to come to me. I'm like, where? They? I wanted to know the results. I didn't know what the result was. No Twitter or nothing. So I'm thinking, well, what's the result? And Jenny comes up to me. She goes, it's gone to penalties. And I go, Why, what are you doing here? Go down and watch the fucking penalties. I said, you know. But she goes, Andy, there was this fella that came on for, for Jordanstown. She goes, he was unreal. He goes, he goes, he was kicking points from the sidelines, right, left. You just hit fire that day, Paddy. The boys are all talking about you. You hit one from the right, one from the left. And she goes, he's unreal. I said, what does he look like? She said, I said, oh, Paddy Cunningham. But we knew, but it was, it was that day that you really came to, 
to, to, to light with me. The boys were just like, this fella is unbelievable. You were kicking points from right, left, centre. I didn't see any of them, but I, I feel like I've seen them, you know? Yeah, that was uh, that was my first ever game for Jordanstown, <laughs> ever. Yeah. Um, I only got brought onto the panel that week, so obviously Jordanstown was a star-studded lineup year upon year. And if you were from Adrum, you weren't really part and parcel of the the, the squad. Not and I, I was hurling at the time as well. I think I was in the county county hurling panel at that stage, and uh, I think I played a club game the previous weekend. I was hey sort of I don't know what happened, but basically I got a phone call from the famous Tommy Joe saying, "Would you be interested in uh, joining the panel?" I was on the Sunday. I think that game was on the Wednesday, Andy, and um, literally he just got brought on. It was the maddest game ever, as Andy says. Obviously he missed it, so um, I think I came on. We were four or five down, had a decent enough second half. Ding dong, extra time, two ten minute periods, two five minutes periods, and then penalties, and then I hit a penalty. Just young and did you, did probably you score shouldn't your be penalty? anywhere near the penalty. But never, I never forget. It was literally, and I remember Pete Donnelly obviously being the lad he was. Took me straight under his wing, like in the bus on the way down. And you had Finn Moe from Armagh. He stretched the whole way down. Um, it was just, it was just a great, great team. And that was, that was my introduction to the university football. I literally, had never played with Jordan until that day. Yeah, well, we, we, Pete did half me in the, the thing, and uh, t- Paddy just on about the sort of fellow he was. So he. Me and Pete became great friends after that, actually, because I'm sitting above in the hospital. The game has gone to extra, extra time penalties. It must be 10 o'clock at night, whatever time it was at the time. And Pete is the first guy up to the hospital and he comes up and puts. And from that moment on, even though he broke my shoulder, we, we became good buddies, you know. Did Jordan send win? Yeah, Paddy inspired him to victory, did you? I don't know about yeah. that. No, but one in the end, yeah. Okay. And then Andy came up the road. Was the following year, Andy, or two years? So I, I think it was two years after, because we played you, I think, the year after above in Belfast in, in the Sigerson, didn't we? Or the year after. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So that's that's like oh six, oh six, oh seven. Is it around yeah. that time? Yeah. Okay. And are you you're you're dual at that? You you played hurling for Antrim as well, Paddy. Obviously, like you did. You combine both for a couple of years in those early years. Yeah, it was, it's a combined minor under 21, which is obviously easy enough. And then I came out of minor to county minor hurlers and went straight into the senior hurlers under Danny Cahill. And then I was sort of kicking about both panels, master and none. And then I committed to the footballers then and then started then from there on in. And like growing up, were you a hurler or a footballer? Or were you both? I was probably none, to be honest. It's just, uh, <laughs> just, it's just, just, to be honest, I was probably a late developer, so to speak. Probably sub in most teams. So I was maybe 15, 16, 17. I actually done that for the school and there's another college's all stars thing up here in Hurling. So I got a couple of those and sort of kicked on. We lived in Derry. Believe it or not, my daddy had a couple of businesses up there. Um, so I played for a real junior club up there in both coats, moved down to Belfast. Mum and daddy originally from here. And my daddy opened a new business in the Falls Road, which he still has today, and joined my mum and daddy's club, who they would have played for when they were here. And then just sort of, it sort of went on from there. Um, and then, unfortunately, I had to give up the hurling once with county football. Obviously, it's very difficult to do both, but I think that's really what I'm going to do next year is go back and play a bit of hurling for some enjoyment. You know, I miss it massively now. Fair play. You'll still be busy. You'll still be flat out with the hurling and the football next year. Uh, it'll be a little bit, a little less pressure than playing county. So I'm telling you, you have to follow the Paddy Andrews blueprint. He hasn't gone near St. Bridges apart. I think you watched your niece this year in action, and that was it. You're playing for the under. <laughs> Go down when niece or nephews are playing, but I've been playing myself. God no. 
Paddy, no, Paddy no, Anders no, Blueprint, no. he's there to help footballers and hurlers transition into retirement and he's got he's got it all laid out. <laughs> Paddy, I'll send you the template, don't worry, I'll email it across to you. You're, you're, telling, you're telling us you're a late bloomer and uh, like when I've watched you play football, it's always been clips. It's been uh, outrageous scores from the wings, as, as Andy's saying. He didn't even have to see the points you scored that night. He's seen them so many times before. Where did that come from? Like, did that just, is that practice? Is that, is it just, were you always, are you just backing yourself in the pitch? Are you always able to do it? Is it... I'd say, to be fair, where we lived in Derry, as I said, and I joined a club that was 14, and we lived close to a set of playing fields, and I would have literally been the lone ranger down there by myself with a bag of balls, maybe one ball at the time, rather than getting it out of the trees and bag out. It probably was practice, um, even through my whole career. I probably would have, right through my twenties, still would have done a lot of kicking practice by myself, go free, taking on from play. And I think it's just repetition, repetition, repetition. And obviously there's an element of backing yourself, but at the same time, it just came natural. You know, if you had the ball, you want to score. And if you don't shoot, you don't score. And probably at times it's probably did shoot in the wrong areas, but I suppose with the amount of time and effort you put in, away by yourself you know you probably had the confidence in the big moments to try and take on those shots and sometimes it paid off other times maybe not so much yeah Tommy, Tommy said you got you got plenty of mentions in the pod during the, during the course of the, the National League and the Championship and just kicking bombs left right and centre against Sligo and a few of the other teams what, like did you find that easier Paddy coming on as a as a sub John, did you find that easier? Like, were you watching the game while the game was going on? Were you spotting little gaps where you could get into, or was it just instinct? Ball comes to you, and away you go and kick it over. Probably a bit of post, Andy. Obviously, you're always watching. You know, if you're if you're on the bench or spectating the game, you're obviously watching what's going on and sort of trying to pick up. You know, different sort of areas of maybe you could exploit if you're either managing or playing. So, um, but again, you're only on for a matter of a few minutes, so you're trying to make an impact. Just you know. Uh, and take our chances that comes your way. And I was frustrated, you know, probably. Uh, I was obviously commending Stevie so much, but he, it probably came a reality for me early in the season that although they persuaded me to come back for a year, that it was going to be my role this year was to come on off the bench rather than start, which was something I obviously struggled with at the beginning of the year because it was always just the playing. And like obviously last year, I think under Lanny, I was probably one of the higher scorers, if not the top scorer. So to go from that, to be in an impact sub was a tough transition. So I was probably in the back of my head just if I can prove myself in these five minutes or six minutes, yeah, yeah. you know, I'll make it back in the starting 15. And that's just, that's probably, uh, I was my mindset going in to make a difference and try and get the lads over the line as well. Well, you did. Like, you kicked the winner against Loud. I think that was that unbelievable shot from the left wing. And then it's it's Sligo the following week. You can, is it the equaliser against Sligo or the winner? Am I remembering that? Right. Um, the last one, yeah, the winner. Yeah. And then, it, like, it's condensed season. Like, so that's Antrim back up to Division 3. So, like, w- when you're looking back on your, on your Antrim and, and, Yeah, I have to mention the boots looking magnificent in his old Preds and his old Manias as well. <laughs> you kept uh, them. Could, could I just say, Tommy, it's funny, and it, just pick it up on that, Paddy, because I would have something similar, and, and Andy, you, you obviously had it yeah. as well. I think you pushed on it maybe 16, was it? One of Horan's years. Coming on as a sub, particularly in the forwards, and particularly if it's, you've got five or ten minutes. I remember this was a big thing for me at, at different times when I wasn't playing as well. You, you come on and, and you have to you have to make an impact because you, exactly you want to throw your name in the hat for selection for the next day. But you don't want to force things either. 
Because if you're saying that was a big thing with us with Dublin, and it was like you take the wrong option or you come mm-hmm. on as a sub. And we had a couple of examples with lads throughout the years where they do and they, they everyone's thinking the same thing, and it's not nearly selfish. It's like I need to make an impact here. So you take on a shot that you shouldn't take on, you try and go by lads and you lose the ball, or you're just over overdoing it. But then on the flip side, you come in and you do the right things, and you pop the hand pass off, and you track your man, you do all those things. But that's not standing out. That's not going to get you into the team. So it's such a hard mm. position to be in, mentally. To, like, Andy, you said it, was it Tony McAdee saying to you, was it 16? You think you're doing everything right, but then you can go and try and force and need to clip a couple of scores. And that can nearly count against you. That's what the manager remembers. That fella came on and he did the wrong thing. And we had it a lot with Dublin. It was such a difficult situation to be in where when you're in the team, it's easy to have confidence and take those shots on and shoot from the angles and all that type of stuff. It's such a fine balance to find, Paddy. Like, that's, did you have that? Was there ever a doubt? Like say, you're coming on for five or 10 minutes and I'm going, like, am I, should I take this shot? If this shot doesn't go right, you know, yeah. I'm pressure. You know, it's, it's a tricky one for sure. I think the big sort of advantage I probably had and I think it's more difficult for maybe lads trying to break on their team or break on their panel. The fact that you played so many minutes, you've been in so many different situations, you had so many years behind you, I didn't really feel as if I had to prove myself. Do you, do you know, well, obviously, to be honest, I probably did because obviously I was old, maybe people are questioning, saying, can he play at this level, at this age and whatever else. But I think the fact that I played front for so long, you know, you knew you had the support of the spectators. The supporters in the county have been unbelievable. The players were obviously really supportive and, and were, you know, you felt part of the, the team and part of the, the, the dressing room, so to speak. So I think it was easier for me because I played. See, I think it would be very difficult for a young lad coming on or in the, a setup where they've no experience and they're going, what do I do? Do I take the shot? Whereas if they were playing for their club, it would be second nature. They wouldn't yeah. think about it. You know, so I think I think that was one huge benefit I had this year of coming on in those games because it was nothing new to you. played 100 times before, so whereas I feel I understand totally what you're saying, Rayson, especially in Dublin, I can only imagine what it's like coming into that team and you're getting maybe one minute or two minutes or five minutes or ten minutes in a nip-and-top game in Croke Park, so there's there's context too, you know, but I think the fact that I played before and been there and done it was, was a lot easier for me than coming into, you know, a new atmosphere, so to speak. So you're... you're... 35, coming 36 last season when you're, when, when you're playing or moving into 36 and you're sitting on the bench. Do you still think you're good enough to start? Like Ronaldo uh, here. <laughs> Thanks for that one. Uh, I, listen, um, I, always, I always looked at the year before, what I'd done the year before. So to go from, you know, maybe playing 45, 50 minutes and kicking uh, a few scores or whatever else to go on to playing five, it was one extreme to the other, you know. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, at the end of the day, and that's what I say now, and I can I can say wholeheartedly, we got to Division Three, so the lads were right, yeah. you know. So no matter what, if we hadn't got promoted, I could have, you know. But at the end of the day, um, sometimes you have to adjust your role in the team. You might not like it, but yeah. that's that's part and parcel. But I think that's the frustration. The reason I asked you a question, I think that's a, and there's a good learning in that for a lot of older players. I think that's the frustration when you get a bit older. You know your time is running out. You're still thinking, I'm good enough still here to play. <laughs> and you're only getting five minutes. And it's, it's kind of it's kind well, counterintuitive. Okay. You have to have that. To be a successful player, you have to have that mentality. You have to back yourself. Like that's such a, 
And I always like people saying ego can be a bad thing. Ego's needed in elite sport. You need to have confidence in your ability. Like Paddy saying, swinging shots over from there. You did it yourself, Andy. I know when I was at my best as well, I wasn't thinking about what I was backing myself. And you have to have that confidence in yourself. And it's very hard. That mentality is part of why you why you are where you are and why you're successful in your career. It's very hard to turn that off just because you're a little bit older. Hmm. And I think I think the best managers are, are understand that that even you look at Ronaldo in a soccer sense, you know, he's thirty seven or thirty six or thirty seven. He definitely still thinks he's the best, but that's part. And people outside are looking at him, going, "You're not. You know, you're older." And particularly the GAA, there seems to be. When you reach a certain age, the media, like when is this guy retiring? Supporters are kind of questioning on what about the younger lads? But I, I think players, the best players have that confidence in themselves. And, you know, you need to have that. You need to have that. Because if you don't, everyone else will write you off anyway. So I, I agree with Patty, <laughs> frustrated that you're sitting on the bench. And we had it with, with Dublin as well, with some from of our bigger players. Did you, you have 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 tw- did you have it in 20? No, I knew I was finished. That's when I knew I was totally finished. <laughs> <laughs> you Honestly, you I swear, yeah, I did. But there was definitely times in 19 where I was looking at, I was playing and I was playing well and then I broke my jaw. Yeah. With, with a collision with Morgan and then I missed basically two, two, two three months and came back in the summer and like say, the show was kind of on the road then and exactly, exactly what Paddy's saying, the team was winning. So you, you can't be knocking down Jim Gavin's door going, you know, why am I not playing type thing? I, I never really went, I never really did that. That's I just kind of got the head down and, tr- and tried to perform as well as I can. But there was definitely times I'm thinking, like, mm. sitting on the bench and you're going, I, I can add something here. But of course, I think that we won. Yeah. So the coaches are ultimately proven right. It, but it's, but at, the same, at the same time, that's what you want, though. You want that environment, you want that atmosphere, you know. Like, I have no time for boys and to be fair Mayo and Dublin and even hopefully within Antrim it's not the case but see any lad that's going along just to get the tracksuit like and happy enough to be there and don't want to you know you need that that's how you, that's a winning mentality and that's why teams are successful you need like you don't want any passengers if, you, if you're sitting on the bench you don't want to be playing there's something seriously wrong to you like. Yeah. yeah, well, we we spoke about it earlier in the summer, but Bernard Brogan has that passage in his book in between the the replays in 2016, and he you know he references the A versus B games, and he obviously plays so well in between the two replays, and he's knocking on Jim Gavin's door. He's like, "We need a striker. I can be that striker." So there's a fine balance there between you know, but there is like it, it is so important to to have players like that, like Jesus, to the amount of depth that G had in those two years, Paddy, like as you as you spoke yeah. about there, was just unbelievable. It was absolutely insane. Exactly what Paddy's just saying. You got you, you gotta have you gotta push, even if you're not playing, and and it can be harder, particularly for players who have played and have a lot of miles on the clock and have had the big days and have big moments in the careers. It's hard to maybe accept that, mm. but you gotta keep fighting for it. You gotta keep fighting, and that's. No, nobody likes that, but that's adding to the team. Nobody likes to have that role, like like Paddy said. Yeah, kind of, you're a sober, you're an impact sober. You mightn't even get on, and and that's where where I kind of finished in my career. And it's gas. You probably do come full circle. Where you, you break into the team, and you're you're trying to you're a new kid on the block. Then you get in, and you're established. And then by the end, you're nearly back to square one again. You're trying to prove yourself and get a few minutes. But but it's no secret the best teams and the most successful teams have that. Just there's constantly guys trying to push each other to get better. And you need to have it. And you need to have rows and you need to maybe have disagreements with managers and things like that as well. But ultimately, everyone's doing it for the betterment of the team. 
Like I, I don't agree with going and having a full-on row with a manager when you've no case to be having. If you're not playing well or you're not training well, you have to have a bit of self-awareness there and go, I need to get my ducks in a row before I start going and eyeing the manager yeah. or anything like that. There's a way to do it. Oh, 100%. And I, I've seen the other side. I have seen players where they shouldn't be near the team and their reaction is not good. And, and, and they're, they're showing the toys out of the pram. And that's up to the players, I suppose, to kind of pull that up as well. But I've seen it on, on the other side where players are breaking their neck to get in and they're pushing and they're doing everything. And the managers, will, they'll have that conversation happening. Go, you need that in teams. You need that, particularly over a longer season. Because um, it just builds the atmosphere and it keeps everyone on their toes. And that's how you get momentum. That's how we had it. That's how Andy had it. That's what it sounds like. You can see what Antrim are doing now, that the coaches are challenging the players to get better. You know, it's, so it's uh there was a piece published on off the ball um two weeks ago by a colleague of mine, Arto Adi, and it was with James Skehill, the Galway goalkeeper. Um it's an unbelievable piece as well, worth digging out and having a read. But in it, there's a uh, Skehill kind of reenacts um the season that Colin Callanan won his all star in goals. Skehill says that the atmosphere in training and amongst them was so good. Like so he had Skehill and Callanan who were sharing the goalkeeping position. I think every couple of years they might swap or every year they might swap. And the atmosphere was so good in training that Scale could turn around to Colin Callanan and say, I've won you your effing all-star this year. You've won it because of me. Like that, like that was, that, that, that sticks out to me. Unbelievable. Um, and, uh, there were, there was obviously Andy in your book, just to give it a little mention there, you wrote about a teammate <laughs> who didn't probably get the, the, the highlights all the time, but he would have been an unbelievable player in terms of getting you ready for your own matches and, and Keelan Crow, he would have got a, a bit of a mention in your book in terms of a player who obviously put the work in in the background. I don't know whether Keelan Crow was knocking on management's door to get starting, but he was obviously driving you along and training all the time. Yeah, he's brilliant. And I, the lads all have, have players like that. I'm sure Paddy did some of that last 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 year as well for Antrim. And I'm sure like people who would stick out to me for Dublin would be the likes of Darren Daly and them guys who mightn't have played mm. as much minutes as they wanted to. But I'm sure Paddy, Paddy got the full of Darren Daly's pace going up the field, skinning him up the field time and time again, you know, in training. For me, it was Keelan Crow, just an unbelievable teammate in terms of... I think the hardest part, and uh, uh, sorry, Paddy, now for... Couldn't, but like the hardest part for a team when you're on a run is that time between an All-Ireland semi-final and final because you kind of know... If you're not in the 26th there for the semi-final, you kind of know unless something someone gets injured or something drastic happens. Thing. So you have two options there. You have an option to throw the toys out of the pram and just leave it to a side. You have the option to come in and just be an unbelievable individual around the place. And the likes of Keelan Crow, my own brother-in-law, David Drake, and a few others did it for us. But I'm sure the lads here, and you even at, 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 with your club, there's, there's mm. certain people that you can picture who have been that person. I'm sure even Paddy last year... Uh, Paddy Cunningham, Paddy Hands, as he's known, uh, they, they, I'm sure he was that. I was just thinking there, like, what a loss you'll, you'll be to that Antrim. And I know it's not the way you want to be remembered or anything like that, but I'm sure you led that uh, substitute bench in a, in a way that only you could do it. And uh, I'm sure you're on about Mick McCann there, but I'm sure you're going to be a huge loss to show these young fellas how they're supposed to react how they're supposed to get better, how they're supposed to react to disappointment of not being there. And your way was to come on, look at Magnificent in your manias and kicking spinners left, right and centre when you came on. So it's, uh, there, there's, there, there's lessons there as well, you know? Uh, that's probably the, the biggest thing, you know, obviously, you went from starting to somebody else taking your position and 
you know, you have to get over that. And then obviously you're looking, you know, your best days are in the past and there's new lads coming in. And that was probably the most, one of the most rewarding things I got last year is like Orn Eastwood, Adam Lockerin, you know, young lads now breaking into the scene. They've been patient to be fair, you know, they're maybe 23, 24 and you know, trying to encourage them and coach them and mold them, you know, trying to advance them. And to be fair, once you got into that mode where you knew what your role was, Trying to improve because they're they're the next generation, you know. You know they they're going to lead the forward line for the next five, six, seven years. So that was enjoyable. Now to be fair, that was something that I really found rewarding this year. Like is you know trying to obviously if they're marking somebody or they're worried or they're nervous, just saying this and you know just trying to sort of help them any way you could. And I'd say to be fair, Andy, you'd probably been quite good at that too. I'm sure. Yeah, it was the role I had fit into in nineteen. I I, I realised fairly. Fairly abruptly, that the, okay, the, the the race here is ran. You know, I thought I was going to make the team for a while, and then it was just kind of, it was just okay. This is my role here. What can we do? And it probably started a bit before that, but like they're the guys who're going to be going sporting for the next five six years. So it's Never so sure. important to kind of give them the transition because we've talked about the guys in Mead, McIntyre, and Kyogen. They've probably showed the young fellas now how to prepare, how to work, how to get mm-hmm. there. So even if they leave without something won they've still left a legacy behind them. And I think that's the, the key thing. But Paddy, I have to bring you back before you go to the, we played, we won a Sigerson together. The boys were slagging me all through. They were slagging me. You went to college with everyone they used to say. And then we were, <laughs> when he said, Paddy actually turned around and he goes, tell me you went to college with him as well. And I said, I did, yeah. But uh, we, we won a Sigerson. And the, the full forward line was myself, Big Show Lynch and, uh, Mark Lynch. Mark Lynch and, uh, Paddy what, what year did you win that? Oh eight. No, it is. And the final was the eight, and it was it was it was all us. No, you. But the time we got to the final, I was I was done at that stage for that year. I had an awful year after. But Cunningham scores one eight. One nine. Okay, one nine. Sorry, I thought it was one eight. Me in the middle scored zero. Now the paper gave me credit for a sideline that Mark Lynch kicked. I never picked this up. I, I took credit. <laughs> you were creating space. This I, is where yeah. I started creating yeah. space. No, I, 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 and no big, story around this came out. But Big Show Lynch scores nine points, and I, I just we came from all my mates came down to Carlow to watch the game and everything. Now you look at it. I, I think sometimes you can get, just get caught in what fellas did and how good they were and all stars and all this nonsense. These two boys either side of me, like you, you talk for Lynch here. As well, Paddy, like he was genius, like in terms of football. Like, if Paddy was beside me, one eight, like we worked really well together at a time. But the two boys just ripped it up that night, and it's 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 one of the highlights of my whole kind of career because would you like we've seen yourself, Lacey, Ramy Mulgrew, and Lynch just kind of take over the game. It was amazing, but I'm sure it was a highlight for yourself as well. Okay, absolutely, and I suppose even the names you named there, it was. It was some team when you look back at it, like you'd Lacey, Charlie Harrison, yourself, Tomas McCann, Mark Lynch, you know, I think Darren Hughes was some, you know, it was, it was a phenomenal team when you look back at it, like, and supposed to be far, we got so close the year before, we played Queens in the dub, um, get beat after extra time with the game, went one and friggin' dodgy kick out, kicked straight to the old McCartan, he kicked an equaliser, but still a sore point, but no, and again, do you <laughs> yeah, t- Hey, 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 tell them how we met them the year after. Some little uh, left foot wizard kicked a free to. Did you equalise her? Did uh, you kick winner? 
Equalizer, you know, want extra time, yeah. Ah, uh, that's right. It's about the extra time, yeah. But uh, even the guards game, we made hard work of that. I want the extra time yeah. too, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, but listen, to be fair, that I wish if I had had that full forward line my whole career, it could have been a very different career. <laughs> I was, we, we were hard to stop now between the three of us. You've done all the all the dirty work and had it to me, and that was I was out on the, the easy bit but, after that. But, uh, Brendan, Cro- Brendan Crossan obviously interviewed you around your retirement at the weekend but he actually went and spoke to Mark Lynch Andy I don't know if you spotted that or if no, it no, your memory no. so uh, Tony, I don't know if you read this back now but, uh, yeah unbelievable footballer um, but Mark Lynch said uh, he was speaking about that game and, and playing with Paddy and, and Andy inside in the full forward line it still sticks in my head to this day Paddy scored something like 1-9 and he never came outside the 20 yard line <laughs> there was Paddy Andy <laughs> Moran and myself in the full forward line. I'm useless inside. I have no dummy, no nothing. And I usually got held up. But the best thing about Paddy was he was always there. As soon as he turned, it was over the bar. It was unbelievable. He was in the right place at the right time. What stuck out for me was Paddy's efficiency. He has something like 97 or 98% conversion rate. He always loved the other side where it's going across his boot rather than the inside of his boot. Andy and me would have gone naturally to the right, but Paddy would be on the loop. Bang, over the bar. The guards didn't know what to do with him. I hope that was the first time I've ever said about you. Paddy doesn't have lightning pace. Paddy doesn't have lightning pace, but he has unbelievable spatial awareness. He's like a snooker player. He's three shots ahead. It's hard to describe, to be honest. I learned so much from playing with Paddy and Andy. So that's Mark Lynch speaking to Brendan Cross in the Irish News at the weekend. He's, he's done pretty well describing you there as a footballer, Paddy. Like that's, that's class, reading that. Listen, to be fair, those two lads, Mark and Andy, were unreal to play with. Like, listen, it's all about who's playing around you as well. Like, the lads will testify. If you're in the same wavelength as the boys around you, it's half the battle. You know, I knew what they were going to do and they knew what I was going to do. And we just clicked. You know, whenever you're clicking in a full forward line, you're hard to stop. And yeah. Andy said, obviously, he didn't do much that day. But in the semi-final and quarter-final, maybe he was on song. Out of the three of us, there was always one of us or two of us that clicked every game. And... You know, you can maybe mark one or two of us, but you weren't going to mark the three of us every day, do you know what? Yeah, I remember the kicking competitions. Now, I would have uh, the, the two boys would be out on the sideline, and Lynch had some boot on him, didn't he? Didn't he, Paddy? Oh, I didn't he had know. some boot. And, and sidelines, I was like in on the 13, tipping over. You were practicing your hand passing over the bar. Like. <laughs> <laughs> over the bar. And the two boys used to be just whipping these ones over the bar. Kieran Donnelly used to be with you. It was good fun. Oh, that's right. But Lent, Lent's dummy, he did have a dummy. It was just like Grunner Marodi. He was strong as an ox. Oh, he, was, he was an absolute bear. I, I feel like I'm doing a complete injustice by saying that he used to win his All Stars or his All Star nominations in the spring. Like he'd be a, he was an unbelievable winter footballer around that time of the year. Maybe it was just that yeah. Derry weren't getting that many runs at that time. Derry got to the league final in 14. Mm. And we bet him in the final. But we, they bet us up in, in Celtic Park. Um, and he was he was phenomenal in that run. I think they topped Division One, and then we played them in the final. They bet us by six or seven points, and he was off the charts. I think every week in the, the seven or eight national league games to get to the final, he was man of the match, or he'd scored seven or eight points. And like that, they were like he was bombing them over from everywhere. And we were like, "What? <laughs> what are we doing with this fella?" Like, he was. He was incredible. You could just see technically, and that's what I say. Paddy yourself. And more than to be fair to you, like the technical ability, it's gas. Like you're talking about, we touched on it over the last couple of weeks. Mightn't be the fastest or, or not the big strongest guys, or not, but, but just the technical skills, and particularly in the full forward line, it's, it's crucial. If you don't have that, there's no point in having the other stuff. But if you get the ball in your hands and you're like a petty and 
to be honest, all the best players are. When it's in their hands, it's probably too late for the opposition. Uh, They're going to get the shots yeah. off. You know? Just just a point on that, Tommy, just to, to, with Lynchy and uh, two of the best players I played with at college were Mark Lynch and Christy Toy. And I, I think it was Ulster football more so than win, the summer football because it went really defensive at the time. And like Toy for us in, in Sligo used to just get the ball 21 run 50, 60 yards and give, it, player, yeah. Yeah, mm. give it to one of the players. But in Ulster, if you think about it at the time, was mass defences, 10, 12 people. Yeah. And if you were that sort of player, you struggle. If Lynch was down in, in Connacht or Leinster at the time, yeah, 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 you know, yeah, you'd yeah. have been talking multiple All-Stars. Oh, he was unbelievable. He'd have been yeah. running into space and then he'd been running into gaps. It was just, like if you think about Mark Lynch, he played midfield, centre-back, centre-forward, full-forward. Yeah. There, there's not much more you can do for your county than that. You know? yeah, yeah. Paddy, the following year, so you win the Sigerson in 08. The following year, you're captain and answer him to an Ulster final against Tyrone. Like that must have been a monumental occasion. When you're looking back in your football career, and I suppose you must have over the last couple of days, where was your favourite time you played football? Or what was the favourite kind of few years that you were playing football? When did, when did it click for you? Um, it's hard to know. I was won the club championship there a couple of years ago. was probably my favourite moment, to be honest with you. But in terms of sort of that highlight, three years was probably... Sort of happened so quick. I was just an average club player, and then just obviously broke on the, that the, that year to the Jordan Smith team against Sligo IT. Then we got beaten the 07 final after extra time against Queens, one oh eight, Captain Antrim and own end in Ulster final, which obviously doesn't happen too often from an Antrim point of view. I think we went from Division Four to Three to Two under Baker over those couple of years as well. Yeah. So probably that period, two thousand eight to thousand sort of eleven, twelve. Um, obviously leading that remote in the Ulster final was a huge honour and something I'll, I'll always remember it was it was incredible that whole year was we beat Donegal up in Balbuffet then beat Cavan on a Saturday night you know that was just a dream year from, from, from the whole county's point of view and it was great to be part of it and um, honoured to be captain to, of that team the great squad too like, so probably 20, 20 or 2009 so this is a this is a random one I'm, I'm throwing at you now, but I have a theory that Belfast is an untapped giant in, in Gaelic games that if the government or the GEA were to turn around or the, the headquarters in Crow Park were to turn around like they did back in 03 when they thought that Gaelic football was dying in the capital in Dublin and they put a task force together to revitalise it and look where they are now. If the same could be done in Belfast, I have a feeling like that Antrim hurling and football could really progress an awful lot in a, in a short space of time. Does it feel like that in terms of are you a sleeping giant up there or or is it a constant battle to try and to try and get to Division 2 to get to Ulster Finals? I think it's you know obviously at the moment we're struggling we, don't, we haven't had a Casement Park um, mm. I couldn't remember the last time I played in Casement Park I was lucky enough obviously to play there but there's nearly a, a whole generation of county players have missed missed out in Casement Park which which is a frightening statement to say so I always remember once I moved down from Derry to Belfast, I was in case from every weekend with a hurling ball or football. You know, it could have been anybody playing. It could have been a camogie match, ladies football, whatever it may, may have been, Ulster Championship match and you were there. So I think, not the case wins to be all and end all, but, you know, you have um, Windsor Park, state of, state of art soccer facility, amazing stadium. You've Kingspan, or Kingspan uh, Ravenhill, the Ulster mm-hmm. rugby ground. And, you know, there's so much competition in the city as, as I'm sure Paddy will testify to in Dublin between soccer and rugby and other sports. And 
really think GA needs to adapt in, in the city. But listen, there's kids. I'm obviously a teacher. You know, I see I'm on the ground. I see in schools they might the children playing um, sports, and there is competition now with soccer and rugby because you know they're very attractive sports as well. You know, so um, I do feel you know obviously there's funding being put in with Gale Fast, which is like a coaching initiative yeah. from the county board. And but listen, it's only a stepping stone, and there probably needs to be more substantial funding put into that. But you know, I feel I have a progressive county board as well for the first time in a long time. And, you know, there's a lot of good people there and a lot of good work going on. And listen, that'll take time to come to fruition. Um, but I, I definitely do feel that, that there's um, things in place there which hopefully um, will develop things over the next sort of decade. But I do really feel if Casement got, got built and up and running, you know, for young people to see that stadium and see what, you know, what it brings to the area and to the community and, I think it would be phenomenal for young people in Belfast to see a sort of a flagship stadium for Gaelic games in the city. Yeah, it's so important. It's, it's insane the way the case was just let go and it just, nothing's been done in so long around it. Like it's, it's just, it's, it's Well, I'll tell you, like, we obviously drew Cavan yesterday in the Ulster Championship. That match is set for Corrigan Park, which is a yeah. club ground. Yeah. And a fine club ground at that. But I played it. After I'm at risk of losing that, that Ulster Championship game because I mightn't be able to facilitate the crowd, you know, which, which is, which is shocking, you know. Obviously, Adam need every bit of help they can get, and home advantage is a huge thing to give up if if we can't, um, you know, hold the crowd for that game. Yeah. Paddy, just, just on a, a, like your comparisons with Dublin here, the competition between different sports is massive. And look, it's, it's great you want kids out playing all sports, but but ideally, like you want to play GAA in, in an ideal scenario. And I, I think the biggest thing for young kids, it's either the team they're following is really successful. Or there's there's an unreal facility. So so if it's if it's not one, ideally you'd have both that the, the team is flying it and there's great facilities and kids just want to go there and either be in the stadium or go and train there or be able to play club matches or failure finals or school finals or, or or watch the team be successful. That's what really that's draws kids in, you know, because there's so much choice, particularly in big cities, that if it's not happening GAA or it's not happening in Ireland, they'll see well the soccer team is doing well or. or Ulster there, or we have a Leinster rugby here in, in Dublin. That's just taken off over the last time. I remember I started playing, or when I was growing up, rugby was kind of the south side of the city. That was it, really. And then all of a sudden, the team started being successful. Leinster were successful, and the Irish rugby team were successful. And then all of a sudden, rugby was everywhere. In all, yeah. everywhere in Dublin. And, and the, the numbers they have are, are massive. And that's, that's driven by the success of the team. And then, obviously... The, the facilities that go with that as well and you're looking at Antrim there the numbers you guys would have the passion that's obviously there in the GEA community as well it's, I just think it, it's incredible that like you say a kind of historic stadium like Caseman Park you've seen the money they put into into Cork and Porky Cueve and you're right the soccer and rugby have got it in Belfast like, what a stadium that could be for not just for Antrim but for the whole Ulster GEA do, do you know what I mean you're, you're, the finals are in Clonus and these places which are probably a bit run down now, to, to, to be fair, that a facility like that in Belfast would be massive for, for, for kids to play and also for, for actual to benefit as well. Yeah, absolutely. And probably in hindsight, we probably should have kept Casement up and running as it was. But, you know, obviously we were hopeful that the Get plan application would have went through first time around. But yeah. obviously I think, you know, I think there's an art to just sort of view in against this. But yeah. by all counts, hopefully it should be 
a smoother process this time. And listen, you have to understand there are residents who you will be against it, but you have to think of the greater good here. You know, I think even the bulk of the residents and within the area are, are massively supportive of the project now. And you know, the GA needs an identity in Belfast. Um, it's been it's been missing for so long, and not only from the sporting aspect, but when you look what's going to bring the economy within Belfast, you know, in terms of the local area and jobs and um, you know infrastructure and everything else, you know, it's a huge opportunity, and the sooner it happens, the better for all aspects of, of Gales within Belfast and Antrim. And as Paddy says, the Ulster finals due to be played in case of what you know, if Antrim weren't in it, what an occasion for young people within the area to go and watch Throne play Donegal in Ulster final. Yeah, 100%. Paddy, you've been so good with your time. Can I throw a couple of quick ones at you? There's nothing, <laughs> oh, quick, on this. There's nothing quick on this pod, God. You, you <laughs> can be quick. That's the thing. They're quick questions and you can be quick. Paddy Hands, explain the nickname to me. Oh, um, just <laughs> partly have partly have fat hands. So it's a friend of mine. Jo- <laughs> partly, uh, so that's a friend of mine, Joe Donnelly. I went to school with. Uh, he he started calling me Fat Hands one day in school when I was about sixteen, seventeen, and then just shortened down the hands, and then hands stuck. I don't know how, but stuck. Uh, so Andy, Andy asked the bits and everything in the states. Andy asked me to ask you to ask him. He said he didn't know where I came from. Uh, favorite pair of football boots. I got CZ Manius. I'll just Predator Manius. <laughs> and have you always worn them? They're getting harder to get. Not that I'll be needing any more. Uh, but yeah, uh, uh, yeah, I've always worn Predator. Yeah, Manius ideally and power swords. If not, it's just a, it's just a psychological thing. I just couldn't wear anything else now. Um, but to be fair, I don't think the new bits are as good as what the old ones were anyway. To be honest, um, they're a lot later. I don't know, Ali talks about kicking the sailings, but Mark Lynch, I don't think you can kick with all as far with them late boots on, too, to be honest. But um, no, definitely Ali Lance Predator. We've been accused of uh, often having a forwards bias in this, on this podcast with Paddy right. and Andy. I know they had days in the defence. And rightly so. Rightly so. But I would say, Paddy, that you are the, the kind of the, uh, the epitome of the, the football pod forward that we're, we'd, we'd like to build a team around. When you were growing up, who was your favourite forward? In Gaelic football. Great question. Um, I had a few, probably, you know, Peter Canavan, Stephen O'Neill, even though you end up playing against him, Colin Cooper, even though you end up playing against him, you know, that year in 2009. Um, but I, I, I would have watched anybody. I just love watching football. Any of the carry players, Charlie Redmond, Andy Gormley. I was in Derry whenever. They won the Ireland in '83, so even that not case, Joe Brawley at that time was was <laughs> So, um, no, listen, I would have watched that anyway. But probably Colin Cooper, like I just he was probably my favourite of, of all time, yeah, still. Yeah. To be honest, and when how about said, a current? When you, when you said that into Gormley, there, I was thinking, yeah, that suits. That suits. Yeah. yeah. How about a current? A current forward still playing? Um, it's a tough one. There's, still, there's a lot. Of, I suppose Clifford, you know, he's he obviously probably hasn't fully fulfilled it not his potential, but he's a long way to go in his career. But he's exciting to watch, and um, you know, he's just that typical. He has everything: his height, his speed, his strength, his right and left. Uh, every time you get the ball, you, ex- you don't know what's going to happen. You know, you expect something to happen out of it. So I'd say Clifford, but probably got a soft spot for. You know, Tyrone being from Ulster and won the Ireland this year too. Like, I was, I was delighted to see the Dazzler. Um, Dar McCurry had the year he had, you know. The two um, boys loving uh, the Dazzler. The two paddies loving the Dazzler. But imagine, you're up with that, isn't that like? It's funny when you're playing, it's all, you're just such tunnel vision and it's just about grinding. Just, you got to win no matter what. When you step back, 
and this is my first year kind of as a supporter or kind of watching games without um, commitment to, to anyone. And so you just want to see magic. You want to see guys expressing themselves. You want to see skills. I don't care about chasing kickouts anymore. I've done that. I don't care anymore. I don't want fucking chasing down wing backs, running up trying to be heroes. I want to see dummies. I want to see scores from everyone. You're right, Paddy. You're dead right. And you'll notice that watching games this year. I, I'd go and I'd watch Clifford. And I'd go and I'd watch McCurdy some great moments. And that's what excites people. And you can mm. kind of lose sight of that when you're in it yourself. But, uh, yeah. So you'll notice when you step out, yeah. Two, two last quick ones. When did you bin the Derry jersey and become an Antrim? Like, did you, did you, were you ever, were you a closet Derry fan growing up? Or did the second you moved to Belfast, you're like, right, I'm going to wear the Antrim jersey? It was, jersey. uh, West Belfast, uh, I'm actually teaching in the school I went to in Samiri CBS in the Glen Road. So um, it was a quick transition. Obviously, you came up with a wee dairy accident into the heart of West Belfast in the Falls Road in Andersonstown. So um, Saffron Jersey was on brave and quick. And to be honest, I always had an affiliation with Andrew Manaway. My daddy played for Andrew and Of course. My, fa- uh, both, my mommy and daddy were both from Belfast. So uh, listen, still have a soft spot for dairy. And uh, my brother still lives up there. But uh, I'd like to see him do well, but not too well. A soft spot is fair enough. And last one for me, and Andy and Paddy might have a quick one then afterwards. Is coaching on the horizon for you? That was my question. Yeah, good one. It's, uh, I was late. Yeah. I started I started um, this podcast on the wrong foot, but I'm ending it on an okay one. Oh, you're, you're phenomenal. <laughs> what a man, Tommy. You're a pro. Turn it around. Um, I don't know. Uh, uh, yes, I would say, obviously, I'm coach. I've coached a bit in school and mm. done a few sessions here and there. But I think for now, I'm just going to, probably enjoy this year and you know when you're as Paddy says when you're in that bubble you're so involved in it I have a bit of development doing in terms of coaching and management myself so I think this year for me is going to be a learning year big task ahead of me taking the under nines in the club so big that's, job uh, that's the a big job audience, now. that's a hard audience big job I'm telling you boys so uh, I have a hard son to look after there too and Podrick so that's uh, that's why he's, he's tortured me to go back and take it in this year so I've promised Brilliant. he'll take his team this year and Better reflection and see where I go after that, but I definitely wouldn't rule really out the future, absolutely. We we oh, used yeah, to have, we, enjoy the year, man. Deserved. We used to have Eamon O'Hara in with us, you know, with the club. O'Hara used to come with the nicest boots of all time, you know. He used to like out of the attic boots of a box of Adidas boots coming in. And all the young fellas used to be like, Where where is he putting these boots on? So when Cunningham goes in now coaching his first club team, <laughs> they're gonna be like, Where is he pulling out these he dance from? you know? Unbelievable. Paddy Cunningham, we've kept you very long this evening, but thank you very much for joining us in the football pod of Paddy and Andy. It's been a pleasure having you on. I'd say you were the most mentioned footballer on the podcast for the first five or six weeks as we were we were finding our feet. So thanks a million for joining us. Best of luck picking up the hurl next year and coaching Podrick's team. And well done on an unbelievable career with Andrew. Yeah. Andrew Come on, Paddy. Good Enjoy, Paddy. Fair play to Take it easy. Welcome back to the football pod of Paddy and Andy. That was Paddy Cunningham. Brilliant stuff. Love listening to Paddy there. It was real forward stream this week's podcast. We had a couple of shout outs before we got into Paddy about a couple of the players that are retired this week. We mentioned Colin Boyle and we were chatting about Andy's old, old mucker. We had Owen Cadigan, Cork, Jules Starr for many years. There's also two Carlo footballers who stepped away this year. Andy reminded me there in the, in the break, Paul Broderick and Shane Redmond. Broderick would have been an all-star nominee back 
a couple of years ago and would have been very, very important in the whole Carlo rising movement when Carlo, they pushed the dubs quite close that time as well. But uh, an old housemate of mine and a neighbour of, of Andy Morans had just retired. I had the pleasure of living with Carl Craig in DCU. Paddy, you were in DCU with Carl Craig as well. I had two Craigs living with me at one stage. I, I was in DCU with Craig for a good few years. Now. We won a cigarette together in 2010. And we've had some great nights out. I have to say, a good buddy of mine when I was there. It was it was a big enough Ross comic to himself. Keenan, David Keenan, Downey Shine yeah. were there. Uh, Craiger wasn't on that, that minor team in 06 no. that won the All Ireland Ross Common, but but Shiner and, uh, and David Keenan were. Yeah. So uh, there, there was all, a couple of Ross Common men in the background in DCU pulling a lot of strings back then. There was a yeah, heavy, was, heavy Ross Common. Yeah, yeah, they had big influence. Wondering how these boys were getting yeah. into college. A heavy, a heavy Ross Common uh, influence. No, it was great times with Craig. I must give him a shout now. Um, a brilliant player. Jesus, he was uh, very important for us in DCU and obviously what he did with Ross Common. Yeah. Lightning quick. He was one of these guys, that, even as he got older, he still kept his pace, which was always, how was this fella doing? Yeah. But he had serious yeah. injury troubles as well and he still kept yeah. his pace. Yeah, and he actually, wasn't it? He kind of studied, he obviously studied in that area, like he works for Connacht GA and he, he's, his, yeah. I think his expertise is actually the mechanics of running. But Andy, I think you've got the, have you got a statement open from Western Gales in front of you? They were obviously wishing Carl the best on his retirement. Um, yeah, I'll so, get it up. Yeah, no, I have it here. Uh, yeah, just seen it come through there. Congratulations, Carl Craig, as he retires from Intercounty Football. Yeah, uh, wish him. Yeah, so Western Gales man, great club man, uh, good guy. Obviously, Western Gales and neighbor neighbor and club to us here. We have a great relationship with them. Uh, here, the Roscommon side of Roscommon, not the Mayo side of Roscommon. No, he, they're actually Roscommon, Tommy, a cheeky little. Yeah, but like they're, uh, yeah, no, he's a really, really good guy. Anyone that he bumps into, top man. He works there in the Centre of Excellence in, in Ballyhonas. So, yeah, he's, he's, he's a great fella. Yeah. King of French Park. He used to always be big enough French Park when he oh, was yeah. in DCU. Yeah. He was the first man. We'd be out on a Thursday night in Queens and Barcall. And Craig would be up first thing Friday morning drive. We couldn't get back to French Park quick enough. He was giving him lip about that. He said I wouldn't last 10 minutes down there. He's probably right. Oh, I'm telling you, you wouldn't. Go for a night out in French Park. Yeah, he warned me that enough times now, but uh, I must get down. I still haven't got down 10 years later. Probably for the best. There's still time. We can add it to the blueprint for next year, Paddy. But uh, yeah, no. Um, yeah, all the best to Carl Craig. That's uh, another another good man retiring from Intercounty Football this week. So, um, and apologies if I missed anyone else. There's, there's been a couple of, of statements coming in. So it's, uh, we're, we're, we'll try and give them shout outs as they come in. Uh, massive, massive, massive news this week. And I don't know how I buried the lead, but the championship draw was made for 2022. And we're all very, very excited. Look, look, I, I don't more and straight into manager mode. I, I can't even remember who Mead got. I don't know who Dublin got. What? I haven't a clue what the draw was in Munster, but I do know what the draw was in Connacht and London. In Rice Up, we'll be welcoming Mighty Leitrim next year. Mighty Morin's Leitrim. He'll <laughs> be over in London every weekend now with Solon. That's, a, that's <laughs> what I was doing last weekend, though. It's just yeah, prep. I was, I'd say you're doing some prep in Rice Up there now last weekend, though, right? So yeah, talk to us. How, 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 does the, how does the draw come through to you? Uh, Mike Solon was uh, texting me through straight away. So, okay. uh, yeah, so we had it just, I was just kind of checking in, checking the phone all evening, just making yeah. sure it was coming through. But um, yeah, the good, tasty draw. Mm. Uh, so it's it's London Leitrim and Mayo Galway on the other side of it. So it's uh, it's um, it's going to be a tough game, either side of it. But uh, it's lovely. It puts a bit of structure on it. So last week we got the FBD games 
Yeah. You've got the league games and you've got the championship games. So you can see the whole year kind of through and you, you know where you're going to have to progress. To. So it's and lovely to put that structure on. It's actually, yeah. And no, I was actually looking at the calendar for next year. Um, don't ask what me why. What date is that game in London? We East, must get over for that, Tommy. Easter Sunday, Paddy. So I think we could organise that, could we? And it's Easter Sunday, so we go and watch Arsenal on Saturday, have a good night out, and arrive down and support the lads on Sunday. I'll I take the warm up, Andy. We'll do a light, we'll do a <laughs> podcast live from Ricelip that evening. I think so. I think. Yeah, so. so look, that's that's exciting. I suppose, like, um, that I did, is exciting, Tommy. It is. It is. It, put, it definitely that's... puts a bit of. You know, it, it, it Absolutely. Gets and even as a player, I remember looking at it as a player, and then you kind of know where you're. Yeah. Know where you're going. You know what you're doing. And. We knew it was our kind of year to go to London in terms of it was if the pandemic didn't kick in, but we weren't 100% sure where to go to reset two years and go then. But yes. you know, we just kept the, the same format. So we get to yeah. we get to go in April. Um, always a good place to go. And there's a huge Leitrim kind of contingent. I think the Terrace Club in London are, are, are originally a Leitrim club and stuff like that. So there's a huge contingent there from Leitrim as well. And would you have seen much of the Leitrim diaspora when you were over in London last week or was it solely a Mayo-only event? No, actually, there was, uh, there was two events. There was one on the Thursday night and one on the Friday night. So there was a few, few okay. Leitrim boys came down to give me a bit of abuse on Thursday night. So that was... Uh, okay, that's good. Yeah, give me a few opinions on players and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... Oh, I love it. Yeah, love it, was, it. It, it was good crack and it was, uh, it was good fun. But met, met a good few and uh, met a... Uh, yeah, a few contexts that we, we'll uh, tap into when we're over there again. Brilliant. And uh, I, I actually got really excited and I don't know why I did, but the your first FBD League game is going to be in the Superdome in Connacht. Have I called it right, the Superdome here in January 4th? The hope is, isn't it? Yeah, well, you hope it's going to, but like we're the only organisation in the world that organises an indoor event in, in the height of the pandemic. <laughs> so I'm not too sure it'll go ahead, but yeah, we, it'd, be, it'd be unbelievable. If it'd it be class. Um and uh, and it'd be a great way to kind of showcase showcase the. You haven't seen inside this this place yet, have you? Like, oh, only this, only images. It's absolutely yeah. incredible. <laughs> yeah. It's in the middle of in the middle of Mayo, like in the middle of nowhere. It's it's incredible. What's the parish uh, begins a B, isn't it? Bacon, yeah. Bacon, so, yeah. So Eastern Gales would be over around that country, but it's just just outside Ballyhonnis, and it's uh, it's 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 a, like honestly, no. Do you know when you go into a place and you find it hard to get blown away by something? Yeah, we kind of walked into it for a tour. Craig, Carl showed us. Craigers, yeah, it's Craigers yeah, baby. Yeah, yeah Craigers showed us around the place, and it was just when you're in it and you're going, "How far away?" <laughs> into the, you know, you don't realize how big a pitch is until you go inside, like, and it's just huge. But we said I was in the, the national sports campus having the Irish rugby team training there, yeah. and we were in there as well. And you go in and. It, it, it's big obviously but when you're outside it, you're kind of thinking alright it's grand and you go in and you're actually on the pitch inside and it's it is it's disconcerting like like yeah. to, to play a competitive game and it would be interesting to see yeah. um, and like I say again it's, we're talking about trial and things and a bit of development and, and modernisation around the GA and things like that that would be geez, there's lots of times like I say Andy I was over in McHale Park and I was thinking I wish there was a roof on this place <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, if that goes well, I mean, look, look, get one in Leinster, get one in Munster. We're spending yeah. all the GA's money. Get Caseman Park done first, and then get more Superdomes. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> the capacity is is around two thousand for for a game in a normal time for for a game, like, and then for concerts, it's even bigger. Like, there's a gym in there. There's a running track in there. It's 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 just it's incredible. 
Portable sand, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, look forward now. If I if I can wrangle my way into that game, I'm uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and get up there because it'll be great to get to. But we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. You, I can't believe I'm talking about GA games on January the fourth. Remember when you were trying to get me into Crow Park and it was you and Paddy doing the commentary? You couldn't, but I I'll, I'll use my influence. I'll get you in. I'll get you in. Do you want the real in. story? Do you want the real story? For that? No, no, no. <laughs> no, I'm happy. I'm happy I didn't get you into accreditation that day because uh, you gave us one of the moments of the summer with yourself and, and Jenny ah. celebrating. So there you celebrating. go. I was tears yeah. at the end. The Moran's doing the jig over the far side of the pitch. <laughs> oh, yeah. no, that was a great part. Yeah, lads, thanks very much for joining us. Do you know what? I think we're going to let the listeners know that we're going to be taking a little break on the football pod. We may be squeezing in a Christmas special if I can get a hold of the last schedules. But Paddy's getting married in the next two weeks. And Andy, yeah. Paddy, like, best of luck. You know, we're, 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 I don't know whether we'll, we'll FaceTime you or we'll voice note you beforehand, but we want we want a bit of insight into the wedding of the day. So we'd be in what touch What could possibly you. go wrong, lads? What could possibly go wrong? I'll, I'll jump All the best. Side, Patrick. Restrictions and everything. I hope it goes well, my man. Yeah. Exciting, exciting few weeks ahead. Best of luck in your exams as well. Thank you. I need more help with that than the wedding, lads. We give me a dig out with some of that stuff. That much appreciated. Now we'll be busy, but uh, now I'll catch up with you again before that, anyway. So. Definitely. And Andy, you've got a busy few weeks ahead. You've got to get ready for that Superdome clash on the 4th of January. Yeah, we. it's, it's great. Yeah, to be honest with you, getting out on the field and just getting a bit of training done in the next couple of weeks will be lovely. I'd say it'll feel real tomorrow once you're able to relax after that weekend because you haven't even uh, you haven't even settled. We haven't taken a breath yet today, now, but uh, nope. get a good night's sleep tonight. We'll Recharge. all sleep tonight, Ed. We'll all sleep tonight. Recharge the way we go. Well done, lads. Thanks, boys, and thanks to everyone else for listening in, especially across the whole summer so far. We'll be back for Christmas. Speak to you in a couple of weeks. <laughs>